Hey everybody, how's it going? Thanks for joining me. I'm Oren McIntyre. So something is happening. There's a, there's something in the air. I like to pay attention to rhetorical trends. A lot of times we get lost in the day-to-day -day news grind. We tend to look at every new thing that gets shoved in front of us. But I like to think about the way that language is building, the way that ideas are being shaped by that language, because a lot of times the ins and outs, the day-to-day -day grind of the news is not really as important to what is going on as the language that is entering the public conversation. Once people have words for something, once people have been given a vocabulary for something, that starts to shape the way they think about things. That actually starts to fill in certain events for them, make certain events possible or desirable or terrible, but just their presence changes the conversation, changes the landscape of ideas. And I think something like that is starting to happen around Donald Trump. The Washington Post has been doing a series of, oh my gosh, the, you know, the sky is falling, Trump is... Uh, you know, the devil Nazi dictator of doom, you know, they've been doing these kind of articles for a while. They've been kind of building a series of these, of all the terrible things that could happen if Donald Trump becomes president. Now, obviously, this is a scare tactic. It's meant to hype up their base. It's meant to terrify and shock. But it's also embracing a certain frame of reference. They're starting to talk about Trump as a dictatorship, not just as something that could happen or might happen, but now they're talking about it as if something about it is inevitable. And that's kind of interesting because that has changed the way I think that some on the left are approaching this, but it has also changed the way that some people on the right have approached this. Donald Trump himself has been asked repeatedly now because that was the whole point of the article. It's to set the frame, it's to set the language, he's been asked, would you be a dictator? This is kind of the beauty of the media, right? The, the hegemony that the media gets to enforce on our national conversation. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about Trump's answer. I want to read to you some of the article because it's always fun to just dive into these left-wing fever dreams. But I also want to look at the way this is going to carry the conversation because, well, memes are real. And once you start a conversation, sometimes it goes in places you don't expect. So I want to address all that, guys. But before I do, let's hear from today's sponsor. Did you know that your temperature at night can have one of the greatest impacts on your sleep quality? If you wake up too hot or too cold, I highly recommend that you check out Miracle Made's bed sheets. Inspired by NASA, Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. Using silver-infused fabrics inspired by NASA, Miracle-Made sheets are thermoregulating and designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long, so you get better sleep every night. These sheets are infused with silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacteria growth, which lets them stay clean and fresh three times longer than other sheets. Miracle sheets are very comfortable without the high price tag of other luxury brands and feel as nice as bed sheets used by some five-star hotels. You don't need to sleep with bacteria that clogs your pores, causing breakouts and acne. Instead, you can sleep clean with Miracle. Go to TryMiracle.com slash Oren to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use the promo code Oren at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an additional 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product 
It's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. So upgrade your sleep with Miracle made today. Go to trymiracle.com slash Oren and use the code Oren to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40%. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash Oren to treat yourself. All right. So like I said, Trump responded to this framing by the media. Again, that was the purpose of these articles. Remember, when journalists choose language, they are doing so for a reason. That's one of the reasons you need to be careful about the way that you approach the news media. When someone puts a piece of media in front of you, when they frame something for you, you always want to ask why. Why are they why are they saying it this way? Why are they presenting the question in this manner? You don't want to come directly at the thing as if it's in good faith because it pretty much never is. However, Donald Trump is, of course, a bull in a china shop. And so uh, he was asked by, I believe, Sean Hannity repeatedly whether or not he would be a dictator. Would, would he be a dictator? And he said only on day one. He said, to be clear. I think I, you know, you're going to have to be a dictator to close the border and get us to drill more oil. And they said, after that, I'll, I'll go back to being normal. Now, that's obviously him kind of making a joke, but he's also stating to his base that these are my priorities. I'm willing to take these seriously. I'm willing to act with a real fervor on these priorities, which is good. That's something that his base certainly wants to hear. But of course, the language that it's wrapped around is dictated by the left. However, like I said, that starts to take us to some interesting places. I want to read a little bit of the article in question that set up this frame. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's extremely long and we just don't have time to, to delve through all of those delusions. But I want us to get an idea of the way that this is being set up by the media. And then I want to talk a little bit about Trump's response, talk about the general zeitgeist on both the left and the right when it comes to looking at executive power. And the and also talk a little bit about the power of memes and rhetorical momentum and the way that those things can carry us forward into situations we might not predict. So let's go ahead and take a look at the piece in question real quick. So the piece is called Trump, a, uh, a Trump dictatorship is inevitable. We should stop pretending. Let me make this a little larger for everybody. So. The piece is by Robert Kagan here, and uh, he says, let's stop the wishful thinking and face the stark reality. There's a clear path to dictatorship in the United States, and it's getting shorter every day. OK, sounds pretty dire. Let's see what that path looks like. In 13 weeks, Donald Trump will uh, will have locked up the Republican nomination in the real clear politics poll average. Trump leads his nearest competitor by 47 points and leads the rest of the field by a combined 27 points. And this has actually only gotten more to be the case. Uh, you know, Megyn Kelly pointed out in the most recent Republican debate the fact that, you know, basically everyone, everyone on stage is kind of living in a fantasy land, that Trump is crushing everybody uh, in his primary by quite a bit. Uh, even people like Ron DeSantis are losing in his home state. Ron DeSantis, well-loved in Florida, but still losing to Trump by a good 30 points or so in his home state. Uh, the only way that anyone on that stage is going to be uh, the Republican nominee is if something happens to Trump, God forbid, or if there's some kind of legal machinations that force him to not be able to run. 
Uh, again, there's a reason that the media immediately started using the word insurrection, even though they had never used that uh, before January 6th. And the reason was that there is a clause in the 14th Amendment because it was written after the Civil War stating that those who have been involved in an insurrection against the United States cannot stand for office. Because remember, the only requirements to run for office that are actually in the Constitution when it comes to president is you have to be at least 35 years old. You have to have been a natural born citizen. You cannot be an immigrant. And you must have lived in the United States for 14 years. Uh, you can't like move, live to live in Germany for 30 years of your life and then move back in like two years and run for president. You have to have been a, a resident of the United States for a long time, even if you're a natural born citizen. And so those are the only constitutional requirements to run for president. And so the left is desperately looking a way to legally bar Trump from running for president. Uh, they're already trying to remove him from different ballots across the nation, that kind of thing. They're hoping if they could put him in jail or indict him, that that would, that would create uh, this barrier to him being the president. However, that's not the case. There isn't any kind of legal restriction. There's no constitutional restriction. You can run for a president from jail if you want to. And there's nothing that the government can do about it, at least in theory. Uh, now, I know a lot of people think that there's like a conspiracy and that they charged Trump hoping that he would become the nominee and that, that the indictment is going to keep him from becoming president in that sense. I don't think that's the case. I think that the left are just out of control. I think they're just rabid. I don't think they're playing that level of 40 chess when it comes to the reasons that they indicted Trump, though I'm, I'm sure some of them thought that that would be advantageous to them. The point is, outside of some legal chicanery or some or something that you know Trump just being an old man and being physically unable to run, those would be the only reasons he would not be the GOP nominee. He's crushing in the polls, uh, so that he's right about this part that that that's just going to be a rally reality. The idea that he's unelectable in the general election is nonsense. He's tied or ahead of President Biden in all the latest polls, stripping other Republican challengers of their own stated reasons for their existence. And again, that's entirely right. The, the argument was always for guys like Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley or Vivek Ramaswamy was that Trump is currently unelectable due to some you know, percentage of hatred by the other side or his legal problems, something like that. And that's the reason that he has to be replaced by one of these people running in the primary. Uh, it, it was just never going to be the case. It was never true. It's not true now. Uh, Biden is incredibly unpopular. Uh, he's an absolute disaster of a president. Uh, everything has gone wrong under him. He started wars. Uh, he, he's gotten us involved in wars. We spent hundreds of billions of dollars on this kind of stuff. Uh, inflation is out of control. It, people can't afford you know, to live and, and have homes and all kinds of stuff. He's a disaster, uh, uh, along with just obviously being a laughing stock and an embarrassment as a doddering old man who has no hope of you know, finding where his shoes are in the morning. Trump is old. Don't get me wrong. Trump is too old for to be president. Uh, I don't think anyone at this age should be running for president. Uh, but, you know, between the two very old men, uh, it's very clear that Biden is just completely out to lunch. And Trump, while he is certainly old, you know, he, he's still got some gas left in the tank. Back to the article here. Uh, the fact that many Americans might prefer other candidates much ballyhooed by such political stages as Karl Rove will soon become irrelevant when millions of Republican voters turn out to choose the person 
whom no one allegedly wants. And again, this is a really good point. Uh, you know, he, he's being pretty, pretty truthful about the fact that half a country wants Donald Trump. All right. A lot of establishment people in the Republican Party, a lot of people who were disappointed in the way that Trump governed in his first uh, in his first time in office, were hoping that there would be an alternative to Trump. I get that. I understand Trump's shortcomings. Anyone who criticizes Trump as a failure on certain policies, as a failure of, of, of personal character in many areas, will be totally right. I'm not here to advocate uh, Trump's effectiveness or, or any of those things. But there is a political reality. And the political reality is whether or not Donald Trump is worthy of the movement that is attached to him, the movement is attached to him. And the energy is not attached to the Republican Party or the conservative cause. It is attached to Trump. That terrifies a lot of people, this author included, because we are not used to a politics of personal loyalty. We are used to an ideological politics, and we get very uncomfortable when people are loyal to a man instead of loyal to some set of ideology, some creed, something like this. But the truth is that politics is much more about the person. It is much more about being attached to a to a individual, to an identity, to a group than it is to being attached to an ideology, an abstract party, something like this. Uh, we, what we've seen in the United States is an aberration. It's not real human behavior. It's not even really democrat democratic behavior. It's not the way uh, uh, democracies actually run. What we're seeing is a return to a more normal form of politics. You might say, well, that's not American. You might find yourself uncomfortable with that. All of that's fine. It's also true. And one of the reasons people listen to me is I deal in political realities here. The political reality is that the movement is attached to Donald Trump. It is not attached to the Republican Party. That's why Trumpism without Trump is always doomed. It's why it's not going to happen. That's why the GOP has found it impossible to transfer the energy from Trump to other candidates. Uh, th this is a phenomenon that is around Trump, whether he deserves it, whether he's worthy of it. That's a different discussion. I can easily agree with people who say he's not, but it's immaterial to where we're at. People sense something about Donald Trump. They tied their, 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 they lashed kind of their futures to Donald Trump, and they are going to see him run for president again, whether you like it or not. No matter how many consultants you pour in to it, no matter how many defense contractors donate, Donald Trump is, is going to be this nominee unless something quite terrible happens. All right, for many months now, we have been living in a world of self-delusion, rich uh, rich with imagined possibilities. Maybe it'll be Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley. Maybe the myriad of indictments against Trump will doom him with Republican suburbanites. Such hopeful speculations were allowed us to drift along passively, conducting business as usual, taking no dramatic action to change course in the hope and expectation that something will happen. I love this. I love this idea that Democrats have just been really chill about this, right? They've been really calm. No big deal. We, we've, we've been, you know, uh, taking it easy. No, they've been screaming bloody murder about Trump at every step, but they've also been screaming about, say, Ron DeSantis and the evils of Ron DeSantis. This is, of course, the problem. There's, you know, when you're screaming, when the volume's always 11 at all times, no one can tell the difference. Is Ron DeSantis more of a threat than Donald Trump? Is he less of a threat than Donald Trump? How would you know? It doesn't matter if it's Mitt Romney, if it's John McCain. It doesn't matter who gets put forward. Jeb Bush, you're going to scream about him anyway. So is Donald Trump the most evil man in history, or is he just the next Republican? Nobody knows. However, 
they have uh, clearly been afraid of Donald Trump. The idea that they have just been sitting around and taking it easy is laughable. Back to the article here. Like people on a riverboat, we have long known that there is a waterfall ahead, but assume that we will somehow find our way to shore before we go over the edge. But now the actions required to get us to shore are looking harder and harder, and it's not, if not downright impossible. Of course, this is, again, delusional. Uh, they have literally gone after the most significant political opponent of the sitting president. They have leveled uh, BS charges at him on purpose in order to try to rig the election. Uh, it's funny, the, the real delusion, the delusion that really occurred was for people who thought that Donald Trump's election was some kind of, uh, again, just this once in a lifetime thing. He drove the left into some particular crazy due to his his crazy personality and his his ability to just fly off the handle. And so if you know we got rid of Trump, then all of the the fervor would die down. The crazies would die down. You know, once once Trump's out of the picture, that was a once in a lifetime thing. The way that the the left uh, in, involved themselves in the election, the way that uh, government agencies involved themselves in the election, this was a one time thing, and it's never going to happen again. That was the delusion. Obviously, that's not true. The left immediately came back and actually took the extrajudicial step of going after sitting president, raiding his home, uh, you know, for, uh, for for things that then we found out that the current president uh, had also had in his home. Uh, remember all those nuclear secret documents that we found in Mar-a-Lago? Whatever happened to that? Oh, well, whatever. Uh, we just wanted to intimidate the president right before uh, midterm elections and, 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 you know, influence those, but whatever, that's just, that's what the government does now. The FBI, um, the DOJ, uh, their job is just to rig elections. That's, that's what their job is now. That's just the way we do things. But of course, to the left, these are just, you know, these are legitimate judicial proceedings. Uh, they don't care. It's fine. Uh, so they're, they're fine with that happening. Uh, in fact, they haven't gone far enough. They haven't taken any real serious action to stop the imminent Trump dictatorship that's coming upon us. This magical thinking phase is ending, bearing some miracle. Trump will soon be the presumptive um, uh, Republican nominee for president. When that happens, there'll be swift and dramatic shift in political power dynamic in his favor. That's true, actually. Uh, interestingly, uh, again, there, there is some truth here. Uh, there will be a shift once this has been, this is no longer called into question, once Donald Trump is no longer uh, possibly having to vie with any of these other candidates. There will most likely be a solidification of support behind him. I don't think we're going to get another second uh, wave of never Trumpers. If we do, that's just the death of the right as a political movement. Like if 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 half the Republican Party again jumps ship because Trump gets nominated, uh, that's that's the end. And you know, uh, you know, GOP, you know, may may it rot. You know, no no great loss there. But that really would be the kind of the end of it. I don't think that's going to happen. I think all the people who have been screaming about the dangers of Trump and how we have to vote for somebody else will find a way to come back and be like, well, I always supported a rigorous primary process. And actually, you know, now, you know, I think we'll probably see a lot of that. But who knows? You know, maybe you will get another wave of never Trumpers. It's entirely possible. Until now, Republicans and conservatives have enjoyed relative freedom to express anti-Trump citizens or sentiments to speak openly and positively about alternative candidates, to vent criticism of Trump's behavior, past and present. Donors who find Trump distasteful have been free to spread their money around, and boy, have they, to help his competitors. Establishment Republicans have made no secret of their hope that Trump will be convicted and thus removed from the equation without their having to take a stand against him. 
I love how the left loves establishment Republicans now, right? Mitch McConnell. These people are heroes of the left now. The strange new respect of these guys, you know, love the fact that they hate Donald Trump. So now you have a delusional leftist saying, man, you know, the, the good old mainstream uh, establishment conservatives. Yeah, I've been talking about these people like they drank the blood of children, and maybe they do, uh, you know, my entire life. But, you know, uh, really... Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're fine because they're against Trump now. Good, good old against Trump, you know, Republicans. That's all I care about. Uh, maybe their souls are redeemed. Uh, yeah, we're going to continue to dive into this fever dream a little more, guys. There's, there's plenty more to talk about. But then, like I said, I want to go ahead and get into where this rhetoric is taking us. But before I do, let's hear about First Cup. Hey, guys, let me tell you about today's sponsor, First Cup Coffee Company. I'm a big coffee drinker and I prefer to make a good cup of coffee at home instead of throwing my money away at someplace like Starbucks whenever possible. First Cup Coffee is a Christian-owned Patriot Coffee Company and they sell freshly roasted coffee delivered as ground, whole bean, or pods for all you single cup fans out there. They have 11 different roast profiles named after critical figures and events in American history and the variety is really great. I like the Boston Common when I need to wake up in the morning, and I enjoy their decaf roast, the Boston Tea Party, in the evening. It's really nice to find a decaf that still tastes good, even though it's not keeping me up all night. First Cup will ship your order within days of being roasted, so you aren't drinking old, bland coffee that's been sitting on the grocery store shelf forever. You can also subscribe and save with First Cup. All subscriptions get free shipping, and there's no contract, so you can cancel at any time, and you can choose your own flavor, quantity, and shipping frequency. So go to firstcup.com and use the promo code ORIN to save an additional 10% on your order. And if you subscribe, that becomes an additional 10% savings for the life of the subscription. Remember, go to firstcup.com and use the promo code ORIN. All right, so back to our article here. Of course, he talks a little more about how Trump's going to win the nomination, but he goes on it for like seven paragraphs. It gets boring. I do appreciate the Napoleon uh, graphic here. You know, they, they make one movie. I haven't seen it yet. I've heard it's terrible. I've heard it's it's cucked Napoleon the movie. I don't know. Uh, but but that's that's disappointing. Ridley Scott has this nasty habit of picking subjects I love and then making like terrible revisionist epics about them. Of course, he's got great movies. He's got uh, aliens. He's got or rather he's got alien. He's got gladiator. He has some true classics. Uh, but of course, then we also get things like, you know, Kingdom of Heaven, which I liked uh, because I, I just like that period of history. But very obviously he was trying to do the the multicultural, the Christians are probably the bad guys uh, version of that, but it still ends up kind of being a cool movie despite his attempts. Anyway, sorry, back to our, our, our topic here. I, I just love historical epics. So uh, our article, but Trump will not only dominate his party, he will again become the central focus of everyone's attention. Even today, the news media can, only, can scarcely resist following Trump's every word and action. Once he secures the nomination, he will loom over the country like a colossus. His every word and gesture chronicled endlessly. I, I, I gotta say, they make Trump sound epic, man. Uh, every Even today, the mainstream news media, including The Post, NBC News, etc., join forces, forces with Trump's lawyers to seek televised coverage of his federal criminal uh, trial. Look, and again, there, there's a lot of truth to this, right? A big part of what made Trump so powerful when he first ran was all the free media he got for just being him, for just being a celebrity, uh, but for being a novelty, uh, he ended up getting all kinds of free media coverage that catapulted him into the public consciousness. And that's kind of the interesting thing, again, about Trump is that the media can't help but cover him. That's the that's the strength of Trump. 
He dictates the cycle, right? He dictates the, the media cycle. They feel compelled to cover him. They know it's good for ratings, but they're also just rabid, you know, uh, uh, they're just rabid haters and they have to involve themselves constantly in everything Trump does. They don't know how to constrain themselves. And every time one of these guys gets up and yells in some unhinged manner about how Trump is Satan, he just ends up getting more and more support from the base. And that's, of course, the thing about him. He's incredibly polarizing. But, you know, the way that Joe Biden is going, it's easier to steal a little more of that middle ground than maybe it was previously once Joe Biden was an unknown quantity. You know, blank check Joe Biden. You know, maybe he's good. Maybe he's bad. I mean, he was Barack Obama's vice president. We like Barack, right? And so I think that, uh, you know, it was a little easier to delude yourself that he would be okay. But having lived under this kind of presidency, I don't think most people want it. They're just hoping so maybe on the left or someone besides Trump. But, you know, even if it is Trump, I think some of these people will be willing to vote over there. Trump will thus enter the general election campaign early next year with momentum backed by growing political and financial resources and increasingly unified. Can he, can the same be said about Biden? So he just kind of whines here about how Trump is probably going to get elected because of all this coverage and that kind of thing. Um, I, I think ev eventually he's actually right about this. Uh, but the more interesting thing will be uh, him talking about uh, him actually taking power. Uh, so. Uh, Trump, here we go. Uh, Trump will not be contained by the courts or rule of law. On the contrary, he's going to use the trials to display his power. And that's why they wanted them. He wants to televise. Trump's power comes from his followers, not from the institutions of America, American government. And his devoted and his devoted voters love him precisely because he crosses lines and ignores old boundaries. Yet again, this is true, right? That uh, you again. Everything he's saying is things he's terrified about as where I'm like, excellent. But uh, all these things are true, right? That the, the power of Trump comes from the fact that he is not reliant on the institutions of the United States. So that's what allows him to say things no one else will say. That's what allows him to do things other people won't do. And most importantly, that's what gives him credibility with his voters. That's why they vest him with their faith because they feel like he's not beholden to this. Now, again, is Trump worthy of this? Will he take these actions? Is he actually capable of this stuff? Honestly, I'll spoil you again. Probably not. Like Trump has shown himself to be very suggestible. It's shown that he's bad at staffing. It's shown that he's very malleable when it comes to media attention. Uh, and it's shown that, you know, kind of in crucial moments, Trump is not really willing to commit himself. So is he willing to take all these terrible actions that they're probably going to, you know, ascribe to him? Probably not. But the point is, uh, they are they do understand a certain critical dynamic. And when Trump is up in front of these court cases, he probably will get a lot of positive coverage. It probably will endear him, not just to his voters, but many people who might have been in the middle and see him as somebody who's now being punished, who's now being uh, you know put upon because of the hatred of the system. They're going to identify with that, and that's going to be a problem for them. So votes come pouring in. Oh, no, Trump's going to get elected. It's the worst thing that could ever happen. All right. Uh, I, I mentioned all this to only answer one question. Can Trump uh, win the election? The answer is, yeah, they obviously think that he can. Uh, so uh, they're really worried about Trump, you know, getting in here, winning the uh, uh, the election, being in charge here. Let me get to uh, where he complains about, yeah, all the ways he's not going to be blocked. Sure. 
uh, is it worth getting inside Trump's head a bit and imagining his mood following the election election victory? He will have spent the previous year and more fighting to stay out of jail, plagued by myriad prosecutions, and helpless to do what he likes to do best, exact revenge. Think of the fury that it will have built up inside of him, a fury from his, from his point of view he has worked hard to contain. As he once put it, I think I've been toned down. Uh, if you want to know the truth, I, really, uh, I could really tone it up. Indeed, he could and will. He caught a glimpse of his uh, deep thirst for vengeance in his Veterans Day promise to root out communist, Marxist, fascist, and radical thugs that will li- uh, li- uh, that <laughs> that uh, live like vermin within the confines of our country, lie, steal, cheat on elections, and do anything possible, wh- whether legally or legally, destroy America and the American dream. I mean, yes, all of that incredibly accurate. But of course, if you are one of these communists and Marxists and, and radical leftists, uh, then you are worried about that, right? You don't want anyone calling those things out. Yeah, where is the lie, right? Yeah, exactly. And and yeah, if you're one of these people, you, you don't want him saying the obvious truth about those things. Uh, and what's really interesting is this level of projection. So the left have been going after Trump with a vengeance. It, it has been vengeance, right? That's what the left have been looking to extract. Uh, you can tell that they've gone after everything possible, right? They've gone after Trump's administration. They've punished people who are willing to join his administration. That's a that's a direct threat, right? When you go after people's uh, administ- uh, the, the people who were in the administration uh, legally, when you're making them bankrupt, when you're bringing charges against them, when you're using the, the, the false Russia narrative to persecute people, you are, even if they end up being found innocent or they end up not having to go to trial, they have to spend hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars defending themselves along with all the time and everything. This is the kind of thing that makes people not want to serve the presidency. So they've gone after him in that way, making sure that it's going to be difficult for him to staff up because they have made it clear that they will legally destroy people who join Trump. They've also uh, exacted re- revenge against Trump when it comes to going after uh, obviously his supporters. You know, the reason they're going after people uh, with a January 6th connection is because they want to make it clear that no one is allowed to act in support of Trump, that yes, they're allowed to unleash street violence for months when it came to BLM and what Black Lives Matter. Antifa can lay siege to government buildings. They can burn things down. Uh, they can assault everyone. Uh, they can literally just destroy everything they want, and there will not be any serious repercussions. You can burn down a Wendy's and get a slap on the wrist as long as you're a Democratic supporter. Uh, the Democrats can go out and raise money to uh, pay the bail of all of these people who are doing violence in their name. The, the the Democratic Party funds street violence. Let's be really clear about what the Democratic Party is. The Democratic Party is a criminal organization with the explicit intention of funding violent uh, action against their enemy. Okay, the 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 person Kamala Harris, who would become vice president, went out of her way to raise money to pay for the bail of people who had gone out and destroyed cities in the United States, had illegally assaulted people, had burned things down in the middle of what was supposed to be the most dangerous pandemic of all time, right? They do all this stuff. That's who the Democrats are. And they're going out of their way to make it clear, Republicans, you better not think that this is something you can do. This is only for our our supporters. Our supporters get away with violence in the streets. Our supporters can break the law. Our supporters can go and loot and burn 
They can do what they want and face little to no punishment. That's for us because this is about hierarchy. Not a, it's not hypocrisy. It's hierarchy, right? And so the, this is a message to everybody uh, who, you know, who showed up the Capitol, even if you committed no crime, if you're just standing outside, you could still have your life destroyed just for publicly showing your support for Donald Trump, right? So they have been exacting revenge on, on Trump's staff, on Trump's supporters. And now, obviously, they have exacted their revenge on Trump himself. They have raided his home. They have uh, thrown all these charges at him. They're putting him in front of all of these judges. Uh, he's being prosecuted on all of these charges on state, federal level, everything else in a, in a massive, con I mean, it's, it's not, it's a conspiracy, right? It's, it's, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's just a conspiracy. It's an obvious open air conspiracy to attempt to keep Donald Trump from being able to run for office. So they are projecting all of the actions they are taking against Donald Trump's staff, against Donald Trump's supporters and against Donald Trump himself. They are saying, well, if we did this, obviously Trump will want to do the same thing. And well, yeah, probably, right? This is the problem. You worry. This is why you don't go down this road. This is why you don't go down this road. Because once you open these doors, once you pursue these paths, then other people who end up in the same position and don't pursue them, they're fools, right? They're, they're idiots. Because when you wielded power, when you had power, you wielded it in a corrupt and destructive manner that permanently injured and destroyed the lives of people. And if everyone just stands around, if someone's punching you in the face over and over again, and you're like, you're not allowed to punch somebody in the face, and they just keep punching you and punching you and punching you, and you keep quoting the Constitution or something and saying, the Constitution says you can't punch me in the face, and they just keep punching you, eventually, if you get the opportunity to defend yourself, you have to, right? And they're terrified because the Democrats understand what they did. The left understands what they did. Even if they're, they're having to do it all through projection, they realize what they have accelerated things into, right? And they're terrified of handing power back to their political enemies. Again, this is why you don't do this in a system in theory where power can change hands during elections. Because if you do that thing, then when the power changes hands, you, you get payback, right? That's the terrified part. That's why you don't act like this. Now, oftentimes, and most of the time in our history, when it comes to the conservative movement, conservatives never do anything, right? They get power and they're like, oh, well, I mean, you guys, you know, you went after us with the IRS or, you know, you passed all these laws that destroyed our ability to, to worship or raise our children or, you know, whatever. But when we get in power, we're just going to be, you know, we're going to say, we're going to wave it all off, right? No big, no big deal. We're not going to do anything about it. That's been the conservative attitude for a very long time. But it's very clear that Trump himself is somebody who, you know, doesn't have any problem saying, yeah, I might, I might, uh, there might be some coming revenge here. And more importantly, and this is what they're really worried about, is Trump supporters are tired of it. Trump supporters are tired of it. MAGA types, the people who are diehard Trump fans, they're done. They, they, they've learned this lesson. The, the you know all of the, all of the pontification about the need to restrain yourself and limited government and you know not you know no tit for tat blah 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 all of that stuff that's out the window for these people they've seen what's been done to them they've watched what's been done to their president what's been done to their neighbors they watched what's been done to themselves in many cases and they said yeah no we're done like we're we're we are we don't want to live in a world where the left has carte blanche to do whatever it wants to us and we're not going to do anything. And so 
the left is terrified because they have put themselves in a position where you know people are going to want you know the, to, to see some kind of retribution for what's happened and that's what trump said i'm your retribution right and that's that's the kind of rhetoric that terrifies them and it should because they know the way that they've treated people you know if trump started locking people up the way the democrats had they're going to yell dictator of course they are right what else would they do and 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 so you know they're terrified of what could happen back to our article here but that's just the start after all trump will only will not be the only person seeking revenge his administration will be filled with people with enemy lists of their own a determined cadre of vetted officials i like the vetted in scare quotes there uh, who will see it as their role, uh, their sole role, presidentially authorized mission to uh, root out those in the government who cannot be trusted. Many will simply be fired, but others will be subjected to career-destroying investigations. Oh, can you imagine? Can you imagine, you know, uh, subjecting your, uh, your political enemies to career-destroying investigations? What would that be like? To, to to serve a president, to serve in a White House, to serve as part of administration, and then simply because of the political motives of your enemies, have your career destroyed through an investigation. Oh, wait, that's that's what the Democrats have spent the last four years doing. And again, this is just projection in the article. This is everything that the left has been doing. It's everything that they wanted to do. It's what they've gone out of their way to do. They've explicitly destroyed things like the United States military purge anybody who could be a trump supporter out of there they've gone after all of these people who are in the trump administration they've they've purged every organization that uh, trump might have staffed up they've been looking to root out anyone they think is a political enemy they've done all of these things right this is all the left's playbook and what they're terrified of is the right might have learned the lesson what they're really terrified of is we went too far see this whole article is about trump passing the rubicon it's all this whole article is about Trump crossing the Rubicon. But the truth is that the left trust the left crossed the Rubicon long ago. They're the ones who decided to violate all of these norms. They're the ones that decided to take power and punish their enemies with it because they know that politics is about punishing your enemies and rewarding your friends. And so they are the ones that crossed the Rubicon. They are the ones who violated the norms. They are the ones who punish their enemies, and they are terrified, absolutely 100% terrified that justice will be done. They're terrified that someone on the right will have learned the lesson and understood what works, understood what these people are trying to do, and will take that lesson to heart. They're terrified of that. And you can see it right here, right? Now they're going to, they're, of course, they're, they're going to invoke, you know, evil mustache, man, because of course they will. Uh, uh, the Trump administration will be filled with people who will not need explicit instructions from Trump any more than Hitler's local uh, galateers needed instruction. In such circumstances, people work towards uh, work toward the fewer, fewer, which is to say they anticipate his desires and seek favor through acts that they think will make him happy, thereby enhancing their own influence and power in the process. Again, exactly what the left does all the time to ingratiate themselves. Uh, but what are you going to do here? All right. so. Uh, th there, there's a lot more of this quaking in the boots. There's a lot more of this speculation, right? Uh, but, but you get the general idea. I don't, I don't need to go into this any further. It's, it's a whole lot of projection. It's a whole lot of, uh, I'm terrified that Donald Trump may behave the way that we behaved, that Donald Trump might get power and do the things 
that we did. And that could be horrific because, yeah, that's not how you should run the country, right? If you think that democracy is possible, if you think that the peaceful transfer of power is possible, you don't do these things to your enemies because at some point you will have to transfer power to them and then you will have handed them power. And, and that's kind of the hilarious thing is that the Democrats went out of their way to make sure that they'd never have to transfer power to someone like Trump again. That's why they've done everything they've done, right? Is to, is to ensure that after they crossed the Rubicon, after they crossed the line, after they exploited all the power and punished all of their enemies and committed all the violations and did all the things that are unconstitutional in order to take power and put their enemies in their place. When you do that, when you break the rules, when you cross the Rubicon, you better make sure you never have to hand power over again. Because if you do, everyone who watched you do the things you do, everyone who watched you violate the rules you violated, they're going to want revenge on you. They're going to say, well, if we don't do what they did, then they're just going to do it again. And they'll be right. And so the left is terrified because they took all of these powers, abused all of these powers, and now they're just worried that Trump might do the same thing. And that's what really scares them. That's what really terrifies them. Trump acting the way that the Biden administration acted is the worst possible thing they can imagine. And it makes sense, right? So here's the real question. What does this article do, right? We've read the craziness. We know what's in there. But what does this article actually do? What, what, you know, I, like I said, I wanted to look at the rhythms of language, the patterns of language, the way that it moves us towards certain things, how rhetoric advances certain ideas, because I think that's really important. So what does this do? It's a couple things. First, uh, I think it's Sean Davis over at The Federalist. Uh, he has said repeatedly, and I think he's right about this, that the first purpose of these pieces is to green, right, green light violence against Donald Trump. Uh, the, these are calls for assassination. Uh, and I think he's right about that. I don't think that's too extreme to say. I don't think that this is, uh, this is some kind of joke. Uh, I think that that is the left's intention here. I think the left is trying to paint a scenario in which it would be okay for one of their supporters to take violent action against Donald Trump. And to be clear, there have already been assassination attempts against Donald Trump. That is something that the left has already attempted to do. It's the, something that the rhetoric has already moved people towards. That's the beauty of this kind of rhetoric, right? Is it can create lone wolves and then the left doesn't have to take responsibility for it. But it's very clear that they're talking about Trump like this because they want people to understand that this is an extraordinary moment and that you can take extraordinary measures in your own hands. They've said so in the article, right? That we have to stop thinking about this as some ordinary thing. We have to shake off our, 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 uh, our complacency and, and treat this with the extraordinary urgency that it requires. And I think they're using this language because they want to make it okay, right? We've seen this continuously. The left has been advancing their language against conservatives in general because they want to normalize violence against the right. They've said that it's okay. Oh, yeah, of course you should be able to punt a Nazi, a Nazi. Oh, and by the way, it turns out that everyone who disagrees with the left is a fascist. Joe Biden got up in front of the entire nation with a blood, round back, blood red background projected on him and with two armed Marines flanking him and declared his enemies fascists. That's not a mistake. That's an intentional move. Right, the left has been accelerating its racist, you know, its, it's uh, messaging from you know racist or sexist or bigot. bigot. They have accelerated that to now 
fascist for a reason, because they want to normalize violence against the right. And they want to make it clear that they think Donald Trump is someone they can normalize the same response against. And so I think this rhetoric of dictatorship and, and, and you know fascism, I think it's specifically designed to accelerate the left's justification for action against Trump. I think that's a real concern. I think he's right about that. And I don't know if that's action that's going to get taken. I really hope not. I hope that's not where anyone's at. That's horrific. But I think the left is using that language for a reason. I think they understand what they're doing. I don't think that's a mistake. So that's one aspect of it. Another aspect of it is that that then sets a frame of normalizing talk of Trump as a dictator in every one of these uh, these news conversations. Obviously, we've already seen this, right? The, the, the article is run. All the cable news outlets, MSNBC, CNN, they echo it over and over again. Well, is Trump is Trump a dictator? Is it inevitable? Could he become one? Is that thing? And then that filters down and even conservative media repeats that, you know, Sean Hannity asked the question and then Trump ends up saying, yeah, so some some actions I'm going to take are going to need to be uh, direct. Now, this also sets an interesting frame for Trump because there are multiple truths contained here. One, in order for him to do certain things like close the border, as he said, he will need to take a uh, imperial view of the executive branch. He's going to need to wield power. He's going to need the imperial presidency. Now, the imperial presidency is nothing new in the United States. We see it from people like uh, uh, like Abraham Lincoln. We see it from people like Franklin Delano Roosevelt, right? These are people who wielded massive amounts of authority through the executive branch, authority that today, when you look at the way they wielded it, that would most certainly be treated as overbearing, uh, dictatorial, possibly unconstitutional, right? These are people who have wielded power through the executive branch in this way. And because the institutions of the United States are so dead set against Donald Trump and specifically anything that is right wing, because the institutions of the United States have almost become entirely infected by progressivism, he will need to wield a executive power that is confident. He will need to make promises and keep them by making sure that the people he is talking to follow his orders. And how does he do that? Well, as they mentioned here, he needs to clean house because we all know that Donald Trump was buried by the swamp, that his own staff or people inside his own executive organizations simply ignored him or actively worked against him when he attempted to implement his agenda. The entire presidency of Donald Trump was basically stolen in the first place by the fact that the executive agencies under him colluded with places like the media to push Russian collusion stories and other things to completely derail his presidency and keep his agenda from being implemented. Now, I've already talked to people like Andrew Kloster on this show who are part of the Trump staffing organization. They understand the problem with this. They already have uh, the, I believe it's the Schedule F uh, you know, initiative that allows them to move many of these bureaucrats, fire many of these bureaucrats who are supposed to be objective, but are actually just career progressives who are built in to the system to keep any Republican, any cons real conservative, any true right winger from taking action. Uh, he's, they've already got plans on how to move those people out of there. And again, that's what the, the, the article was terrified about, right? That Trump might actually have a plan this time, that there might actually be a way forward for him to do the things he said he was going to do. Now, to be really clear, I don't think Trump will be a dictator if he gets elected. I don't think Trump is, has got that in him. I don't think that he's uh, really going to do that. And he's, he's like 80 years old at this point. He's super old. 
right? He's not going to start a dictatorship at 80 years old. What's going to happen? You know, it's just not, it's probably not a real thing. However, the way this is now being framed, any effective Republican administration will be treated as a dictatorship. That's the way they've set it up. If Trump manages to implement the strategies he's talking about, if he cleans house, if he's able to take a direct executive action on critical issues and forward the things that his supporters want done immediately without getting entangled in all kinds of red tape and all kinds of bureaucratic uh, lag, they're going to call him a dictator. I mean, they're going to call him a dictator anyway, but they're going to they're going to have set the frame for any effective action on the right to be framed as a dictatorship. And this is a really interesting thing because both sides are now memeing this thing about dictatorship, right? Now, again, I don't think Trump is this guy. I, I don't I don't think it's going to happen this way. But the fact that this discussion is being normalized and that effective government is being framed in this way means that eventually people start shifting their viewpoint on what that even means. That means they start embracing language like that. Oh, well, you think effective uh, uh, leadership is dictatorship? Okay, well, people start shifting the the way that they look at these things. And that's something that's very interesting. Again, people are carried away by forces of history. Many decisions that we think of as monumental aren't really made because the people in charge wanted something or saw themselves in that role or wanted to make a sweeping change in history or, or ideology or forms of government or anything. Many of these things occur because people are carried on the currents and the tides of the, of kind of the zeitgeist of, of the language that's being used, the rhetoric that's being used, the ideas that are being normalized, the frames that are being set. And so the left can't seem to help themselves, but it, 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 in one sense, they are attempting to, set this idea of Trump as the most terrible thing that could ever happen, a dictator that that controls America. And they're doing that because they want to keep it from happening. But at the same time, because they're feeding into their own fever dream, they're feeding into their own, uh, uh, their own, uh, how scared they are. I don't know why I suddenly can't remember the word for, for being anyway, their, their own paranoia. There we go. Because they're feeding into their own paranoia on this, they're using language that makes it inevitable. They're, they're, they're saying, oh, his, his dictatorship is inevitable. Even though they're trying to prevent that, they're actually accelerating it because what they're doing is leaving Trump with very few moves. Well, anything I do, you're going to call it a dictatorship, right? Anything, any action I take is a dictatorship, even before I get in office, before I take any action. Even if I just do things that are totally constitutional, you're just going to call it dictatorial anyway. Well, okay, right? Like that, that That's a, a rhetorical box that they try to put people in. Now, that works as long as they're scared of those terms, as long as they're scared of those actions. But when you box people in like that, crazy things happen. Again, I don't think that's going to happen with Trump, but it's something to watch because, like I said, they're memeing things into reality that they don't entirely control. Well, I think they're using this to slander Trump. They think you're using this to box Trump. They think they're using this to prevent Trump from taking certain actions. Maybe they will. Maybe all this will be successful. Maybe they'll be right about that. But when you create this, uh, you know, this kind of uh, expectation. There's almost a, like a hyperstitious moment where where this thing creates itself because it keeps coming back and 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 being uh, interjected in into the discussion. And uh, I think that you know, in these times of difficulty, uh, you want to be careful about the way that you approach uh, framing your enemies. 
Because when you do, you might only leave them certain routes out of certain problems. Uh, and maybe that will win you the day, but maybe it won't. And if you lose, that loss could come with uh, some, some consequences that you would not enjoy. All right, guys. So I wanted to talk to you about that. Like I said, uh, interesting the way that this is being advanced. Is interesting the way that that rhetoric is bouncing back and forth from one side to the other inside the United States. I wanted to explore that possibility and the way that uh, people are approaching it. Uh, let's go over to a question here real quick. We have from Florida Henry. Uh, good afternoon. As a history nerd, Trump slash Biden is a weird parallel to the Romans, Marius Sulla bloodshed and dictatorship. Yeah, a lot of people have said this. Uh, some people have said that uh, Trump is is kind of Sulla, uh, is the guy that comes before Caesar. He's not Caesar, but the guy becomes for Caesar. I've seen people make that. For people who are unfamiliar, so Marius is, is was more of a a populist. Uh, in, he did the Marian reforms in the Roman military. Uh, and then uh, Sulla was kind of more of the, uh, the 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 backer of the Senate. The Senate. He was more of the uh, the old aristocracy. Uh, there ended, ended up being these massive civil wars. Most people focus on the uh, wars between Caesar and Pompey, or they uh, look at the wars between uh, Augustus Caesar, uh, Octavian, and Mark Antony as the as the big civil wars. But all of those were actually preceded by the Marius and Sulla civil wars. And uh, it is interesting, yeah, the, the way that you're looking at that, both of these people fighting for what could be the future of Rome, right, uh, and ended up uh, putting themselves in very, uh, very dangerous places that ended up uh, with a lot of bloodshed for Rome. I certainly hope that that is nothing that is in our future, but, uh, you know, the history is a teacher. Uh, we should pay attention uh, because, again, there's a reason you don't go down these roads. Uh, and the Democrats have 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 wanted to go down them uh, when they think that there's no no cost to be paid. And that's, that's very stupid and dangerous steps to take. But thank you for your history reference, sir. I appreciate that. All right, guys. So I know last week Dave Smith was supposed to be gone and then he had a, a family emergency emergency, but he is supposed to be back on tomorrow. So barring another emergency, uh, Dave Smith should be on tomorrow. That'll be fun. He's an interesting guy. I had a good time talking to him last time on his show looking forward to getting to talk to him again on my show tomorrow so make sure not to miss that of course if this is your first time here and you don't want to miss any other episodes make sure that you subscribe you want to hit notifications you got to hit the bell guys youtube's like oh sure yeah you're subscribed but you actually want to see any of the stuff the person's doing nah forget that we'd rather show you a bunch of stuff you're not interested in so if you want to actually see the show you got to get the notifications you got to hit the bell all that stuff and of course, if you want to catch these episodes as podcasts, you need to go subscribe to the Or McIntyre Show on your favorite podcast platform. When you do that, make sure that you go ahead and leave a rating or review. That really helps with the algorithm. I've got a new piece coming out on The Blaze today. I just guest hosted over at Jenna Ellis' show yesterday. You can check that out if you'd like. Thank you guys for watching. And as always, I will talk to you guys next time.